0: We have the opportunity to visit with Stacey Swiderski, the CEO and owner of Family Source Consultants. This is going to be a two-part episode. We're going to discuss and learn about families that become parents through surrogacy. And the second episode, we're going to talk about egg donation and how that affects both sides as well. So in this first episode, we're going to dive into educating our listeners so they can help families through surrogacy. And we want to really learn about both sides. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind,
1: body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better.
0: Thank you for taking this journey with us. So Stacey, tell us first how you got into this, what your story is, and then let's start talking um, how we can help our families understand that process. Absolutely. Well, first, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here
2: and share my story and and what we do here at Family Source. So a little bit of, I'll back up quite quite some time. Um, My husband and I, we experienced um, infertility and we grew our family through a gestational surrogate. I'm also known as a gestational carrier. So we hear it, you know, either or is correct. Um, And my goodness, I I really started researching the the, the information, the topic um, like almost two decades ago. Um, So our son now fast forwarding, he's now 16. Um, So that really just ignited my interest and my passion in helping others build their families as well. So with that, I launched our company uh, back in 2007, two years after my son was born. He was born in 2005, started the company January of 2007, and it has just been the most rewarding. I I can't even um, say it enough. Um, Just just amazing opportunity to to see um, so many families, over a thousand babies that have been born through our agency and over the years through both surrogacy and egg donation. And I would like to also um, include, in addition to somebody helping us build our family through third-party reproduction and surrogacy, after that, I realized that, you know, if I could help somebody else grow their family through through what I could provide, I want to do that. So I was approached by a friend who had a neighbor who was looking for an egg donor. And so after I've gone through my own egg retrievals, I've re- I, I knew the process. I had successful retrievals. I thought, well, maybe, you know, this is something I can help them. And so I did. So I donated twice for this family, beautiful family. They had a, a daughter already that they had adopted. Um, so after my donations for them, they grew their family by two and they now, they have a son and a daughter through my donation. So I've kind of been on both sides. I, I've
1: helped a family grow, but I've been very blessed to have somebody help myself and my husband grow our family. Oh, what an incredible story. And hearing that you. you've, you've said over a thousand babies.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh exciting since 2007. So we just celebrated our 15th uh, anniversary this past January, or well, I guess this month, we're ending the month, but we celebrated our 15th year of, of family building. So it's been incredible.
0: So Stacy, tell us if you can, if you have some statistics, uh, as we're looking at how many families are we talking about that are in this space where they're trying yeah. to find a way to be a parent?
2: Great, great question. Well, when you look at the the statistics, one out of every six people who are trying to conceive um, you know, are infertile in one way or another. And so you look at the total population in the entire world because we're in an international agency. So we help not only United States here in, um, in our country, but internationally. So grow their families. So it's a lot, a lot of, of people have experienced infertility. In addition to that, obviously we have, you know, the same sex community where they need a surrogate and an egg donor to build their families too. So, it's it's
0: it's quite busy. It's 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 pretty amazing. Well, let's dive into surrogacy. Let's go. Yeah. Let's talk about from the side where you are considering helping a family by being a surrogate. Let's talk about what that looks like and what that process is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely on the surrogate's perspective, first and foremost, it's just amazing that they're even thinking of of you know, moving forward to help somebody you know, create their families. So, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the criteria that the surrogates really have to meet in order to even be considered. And so some of that, that is pretty black and white. So obviously they've had to have at least one child of their own, um, be raising that child and obviously an overall healthy pregnancy. So that's definitely a criteria. So we could not unfortunately accept a surrogate who's never you know, been a, a mother herself and, and carried that child. Um, and then in addition to that, we're looking at overall health. Um, you know, and also emotionally, mentally, that stability is super important. BMI requirements, those are put into place. Our agency accepts surrogates. We have a BMI of 33 and below, and you're going to see that throughout the industry that that kind of wavers a little bit. And um, some fertility centers may accept a surrogate with a higher BMI of maybe 34, 35, and some may cap it at 30, 31. So we're kind of right in the middle at 33. So you have the BMI that that's really important. Also age. Age comes into play, Um, we accept surrogates up to forty-three of age. Again, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, because really, the the age of the uterus. I mean, we you probably have seen on you know, news or magazines or what have you on social media that you've seen grandparents that that have carried so. Most importantly, it's, it's the embryo quality. And obviously the uterus really um, ages much slower than our ovaries and our egg quality. So surrogates can definitely within our program um, be up to age 43, um, 21 to 43 for surrogates. Obviously, non-smokers, non-drinkers, that's you know, that's the obvious. And then in addition, we have to really pay attention to their location because here within the United States. The surrogacy laws really are, are case by case with each and every state. So they have their own laws that apply to surrogacy. So, for example, here in, in Illinois, it's a pre birth order state. And what that means is that the, the intended parents' names can go directly on the birth certificate, as long as one of those intended parents are genetically linked to their baby and utilizing their genetics. Um, and then other states, like right next door to Illinois is Michigan, it's illegal. We cannot accept a surrogate from Michigan. So she could really um, be the best candidate in every other aspect of, you know, physical, mental, emotional health, great pregnancies, but just because she's in Michigan, we can't move
1: forward. So those are some of the relevant criteria that we look for within a surrogate. Stacey, I have a question on that. I think it is such a beautiful thing that these surrogates do. Can you give us an idea of, of range that they, what is taking care of financially for them and how do they get through the process? Because I believe, I mean, I would love your input on, obviously they're doing this out of the love to be able to give to somebody else, which I think is just, it's just so amazing. But what are they really looking at as far as commitment, financial, all of that?
2: Yeah, great, great question. The commitment in itself is obviously just overwhelming and it's huge. And so it's something that they really, really are researching. We educate them so, um, so highly, as well as the psychological screening that all surrogates as well as their partner have to complete before they're fully accepted into the program. Um, so yeah, definitely they cannot just be financially focused. Yes, they will be compensated, but they also, you know, they, most importantly, they want to feel, you know, they have the heart to help a family. And I'll tell you the surrogates who we accept into our programs, they're just, they're angels. They really are. They say, you know, if I've ever experienced, um, infertility and I wasn't able to have my children, I would want somebody to do this for me. And because, you know, they've experienced pregnancy, they enjoy it. A lot of women just, they love being pregnant, but you know what? They're done having their children. They're like, no, no more. I would love to help a family because I enjoy pregnancy. But once that baby's born, it's in the arms of the, the parents and they get to sleep all night. <laughs> the circuits get to have a nice rest. So in terms of the, the financial considerations, the surrogates do receive a base compensation. Typically, it's right around 40000 that they would receive. And then again, that's just base compensation. So that would begin once we have a confirmed pregnancy via heartbeat. And that's usually right around six weeks or so of the pregnancy. So if you take that 40000 and what we do is we typically break that up into a period of 10 payments. So once we have that confirmed pregnancy... Um, through heartbeat, they would receive the first compensation, which is $4,000 a month. So every, every four weeks, every month thereafter, they receive that base compensation of, of the $4,000. In addition to their base compensation, they do receive many other incidentals. For example, an embryo transfer fee for completing the embryo transfer. They'll receive a compensation for that. That's typically
1: $750.
2: Um, any lost wages. Um, if they were to be put on a doctorate-ordered bed rest during the pregnancy, they are entitled to to lost wages. Obviously insurance is covered for them by the intended parents, life insurance, very important. So we really make sure that everybody is well protected and it really takes a team to make this really ethical, safe, and um, just really professional from start to finish. So there's always an attorney that's involved. So once the surrogate does complete the medical screening with the Intended Parents Fertility Center, at that point, we know she's clear to move forward with the embryo transfer. Then we get the attorneys involved. And what that means is that each party will have a separate attorney. The intended parents will have their attorney and the surrogate will have her attorney. And they obviously, the attorneys have to specialize in surrogacy. So third party reproduction law, super important. So yeah, it's really, um, you know, like I said, it, it really takes a team to make, to make this, this little miracle come to life, you know, and- and again, because it's it's just so important that every step is secured and ethical, um, like you said, the legal has to be put into place, fully executed direct agreement, also known as the contract between the intended parents and the surrogates, prior to the surrogate even beginning any injectable medications to prepare for the embryo transfer.
1: Oh, thank you for that clarification. That is, yeah. I have to say, you know, my family has benefited from this as well. I have a nephew, him and his husband, they were able to have twins. They have a boy and a girl, and it's just such a beautiful gift. So thank you for the clarification on that. Of
2: course. And see, it's just so common. It seems to be that if somebody hasn't personally experienced third party, you know, reproduction, surrogacy, alienation, or even infertility, if they haven't experienced it themselves, they tend to know somebody who who is yeah. like yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. You know, you talked about Coming from the person that's going to be the surrogate and we're talking about the commitment and it's a huge commitment. And and one of the things that popped into my head was if the surrogate is working, obviously there's a conversation with the employer. Is there protection there with becoming a surrogate? And what have you seen how employers handle this when it comes to maternity leave and anything that really comes through that nine months where the employer is, they're using their own insurance. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So just like anything else, whether a surrogate, you know, it's a surrogate who's pregnant or, you know, just a, a a regular employee who is caring for themselves, they are protected, of course, through the, through the pregnancy act. So that's, you know, that's really important. It's maternity, you know, so they, they deserve the same bathroom breaks, the, you know, all of that, that anybody else would. So, yeah, it's something that really, um it's, you know, here in the United States, it's definitely not frowned upon. So,
0: yeah, they're well protected,
2: um, for sure,
0: for sure. Yeah. That's good to know. I also wanted to ask you, um, ratio-wise, how many surrogates are coming to you saying, this is something I want to do in terms of how many families you have?
2: Great, great. That's a really great question. We definitely have. I would say, I kind of have to break this down a little bit because we are contacted every single day by women who want to be surrogates. Um, all the time. We're receiving inquiries, applications. The, the process, however, is we can't accept them all. So, if we were re- able to do that, then it would probably be pretty even as far as the ratio of intended parents as well as surrogates. But because we really only accept probably under 5 to 10% of the surrogates who actually apply, we definitely have an increased amount of intended parents waiting to be matched with the surrogate versus how many surrogates we have available. Again, because we have to be very selective and careful um, within the screening process of the surrogates who we can accept to our program. So definitely higher on the intended parent end. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of wait, time to be matched. Um, But however, on the surrogacy piece, the amazing thing for them is once they are accepted into the program, there really is no downtime because we have, again, those intended parents who are waiting. And so the matching criteria at that point will come into place and we can match those surrogates really quickly once we receive all of their information.
1: Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite, plus daily made service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats, we're not your home away from home. We are better. Book
0: today at exclusiveretreats.com. So so let's talk about the families and what that process looks like and how, you know, in addition to what the process looks like, I'm curious what the average wait time is for them. Great, great question.
2: Yeah, that's always uh, the frustrating piece for the intended parents, for sure. Our wait time um, for intended parents, once they officially sign up with our organization, is typically anywhere between three to five months. Um, So sometimes, you know, the intended parents are, maybe they don't yet have embryos created. So that's a really good time while they're waiting to be matched with a surrogate. They really get started creating their embryos, whether they're utilizing their own eggs or an egg donor, maybe they still have to, you know, Find a fertility center, which obviously we are happy to help them with. But usually right around three to five months is, is, a, is a pretty a great estimate for a wait time.
0: In the process for them, what are you doing a similar process that you do for your surrogates? How are you determining families that are going to make good candidates for this? Yeah, great, great question. Well, it's not
2: identical because we're not looking at the medical piece, right? So it's it's a little different there for sure. But um, definitely the intended parents, when they reach out to us, many of them have already exhausted, um, you know, maybe failures or losses within their own journey before they even reach the surrogacy piece. Um, Or like I said, sometimes they're same sex. So it really is, you know, obviously this is their only route to have potentially a genetic child. But in in terms of that, um, you know, accepting intended parents, it's definitely, we do obviously a criminal background check. That's important. And all parties. Um, So that's important as well. Um, We definitely there. And again, going back to the state laws, for example, Illinois, there has to be a medical necessity to utilize a a surrogate for the intended parents. But again, that doesn't mean that we won't accept a surrogate who doesn't have that. We just have to make sure, obviously, they're matched with a surrogate who will deliver one of those states where that's not a necessity in order to become the legal parent. Especially upon birth. So yeah, just many, many different intended parents come to us around the world for different reasons. Obviously, infertility is one of the major.
1: You said something, Stacey, that um, you know, I'm sure maybe a lot of people just starting into this journey haven't really thought about, but just that the laws are so different yeah. in every state. How does that affect it internationally as well? Is it more complex?
2: It really is. So internationally, you know, they come to the United States. Because of the obviously the ease here, um, very ethical process. But in terms of not so much the surrogacy process here in the United States, but oftentimes when they return home, you know, definitely um, making sure that their child can become a citizen of that country. But we look at all those angles and we really rely on those attorneys here in the United States who are just experts. Um, we are really blessed to, to have those relationships with those attorneys. And they will guide us and they'll, they'll let us know that, hey, you know, these 10 states are probably the best states for these international tenant parents where once the baby's born, it can be a pretty simplified process. So we definitely have those great relationships with those attorneys to make the process
1: pretty smooth for all intended parents. That's really helpful. I had another question. So if you said earlier, they've usually couples or same sex, whatever, they've usually tried other methods prior and they get to a point where they're considering this. So what's the first step for them if they're like, oh, I've been thinking about it, um, but I really don't know what it entails. What's their first step? absolutely so they would just
2: reach out to us and one of our client relations managers who are very well versed in surrogacy will have a consultation with them and they will explain the process in detail spend as much time as needed to make sure that the intended parents are you know educated on the process all their answers um, or other questions are answered and that you know by the time they complete that consultation they're going to be very well versed in the process um, you know, and sometimes too, it's just once the intended parents decide that this is the route for them, you know, it's a learning experience from the time that they sign up until after, you know, their babies are born or their child is born. Oftentimes they ask, and one of the questions, for example, on the intended parents questionnaire is how much communication would you like to have with your surrogate? And they think about that after they read it, because maybe they've never really thought about that before. And they're like, know, I just don't know. Um, and so we'll go over that because, you know, they're being matched at that point with a stranger, you know. So it's just over time, you know, hopefully their their relationship will really evolve and you know, evolve into just a friendship. Um, some intended parents, perhaps they want to be super involved and they want this friendship type relationship. And some are more business like and, you know, of course they want to support their surrogate and they wanna be included in how appointments went and things like that, but they don't, they're not so much hands-on. So we really look at all those pieces when we are matching the intended parents with the surrogate. So during the matching process, it's a really delicate time because what we're doing is we're looking at the surrogate's criteria because it's their decision as much as the intended parents' decision, who they want to carry for um, and who the intended parents want to match with. So it's a really like, there's a lot of moving parts. And then even in addition to that, we have to make sure that the surrogate's uh, meets the antenna, the uh, antenna parents fertility centers criteria. So again, it's a, a lot of uh, boxes to check. And before we even get to the matching process between the intended parents and the surrogate, we have to make
0: sure that all those criterias and requirements are aligned. So it's interesting because if you are doing something out of state, you're going to probably miss out on that opportunity to create that relationship. And if you are within state, which I don't know what that looks as far as how often that happens, but, you know, what can that look like? Can they have this ongoing experience with the surrogate where they're attending the doctor's appointments? Are they in the delivery room? Are they flying out if they're not in state? Like, how is that experience?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um,
0: And definitely a lot of people may
2: see it that way, where they believe that, well, I have to be close to the surrogate to really be a part of this journey. And that's you know, you'd be surprised that some of the best journeys overall are even with international intended parents who are thousands of miles away. Um, and you know, thanks to technology, right? Facetiming, emailing, no zooming, truth. and yeah, and really bringing those intended parents um, into the process and sharing that information with them. There's some some situations where the intended parents may not even meet the surrogate in person until the baby's born, um, oh, wow. but. But they've built such a a wonderful, and lovely relationship through all these other forms of communication that they just, it feels natural to them. So yeah, it's it's really, we're lucky to have the technology that we do to really make sure that the intended parents are involved and and really up to date. And again, we have our team, each match, intended parent and surrogate, will be assigned a case manager within our program. And that case manager is always informing the intended parents on each step along the way how the appointments went. So it's just additional information that they're going to receive throughout the entire process. So
1: it's pretty incredible. It really is. Oh, that's wonderful. I have a question. So we had a little chat before we started, before we set up this meeting. (laughs) And it sparked a conversation. I work with a a couple who they had, they just celebrated their triplets first birthday and their surrogate was there and she's just, I have not met her, Um, but it sparked a conversation with them amongst a few, a few people. And the question came up, do surrogates ever have, I mean, they're carrying this baby and it may not be, I mean, it's not their egg. They have nothing genetically to do with it, but they're carrying this baby and they asked the question and I said, oh, I'm going to ask her when we talk do you ever see the surrogate who they deliver and kind of feel this bond. Is it hard for them or is it because they know all along they're doing this to give this these babies baby to a couple? Yeah. Is there ever been a problem or and I said, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> well, I'll definitely help answer that. Um, but that is a wonderful and very common
2: question. Um, the surrogates we have never ever in fifteen years of within our organization had a surrogate who felt like a maternal bond with the child. We have, however, had surrogates. You know, inform us afterwards. They miss kind of their relationship with the intended parents. They kind of miss that. Not not the baby, but the intended parents. You know, that piece of it. And again, during the matching process, why it's so important that that is very transparent is. You know what are what is everybody's expectation? Does the surrogate want to have an ongoing relationship with her intended parents after the baby's born? But even so, even if they do have this amazing relationship, it's just they kind of miss that because they miss sharing pieces of the pregnancy with their intended parents. But never ever have we had a surrogate ever feel that attachment to the baby as their own. Um, they certainly care about the child. They protected this child for nine months, but they've never felt that attachment. They um, you know, a lot of times they'll they'll tell us that they feel more like it's a, maybe a niece or a nephew or a friend's child, something of that sort, but not their
0: own child. Oh, that's i I'm grateful for you to answer that question. Oh, of course. I'm happy to. Yeah. So tell us on a family side, we, we kind of discussed the financial piece from the surrogate side. What are families looking at financially as they embark on this journey? Yeah. Great question. So There's a few determining
2: factors, what's going to really um, vary that overall cost. But on average, most intended parents should expect to spend, goodness, the cost anywhere between, say, 110,000 up to maybe 150,000. A lot of it really is going to play into, say, the insurance piece. Do they have insurance that covers their IVF to create those embryos for the embryo transfer? Um, So that will play a, a pretty significant piece of the overall cost. But removing that piece, um, definitely, you know, you they're going to be expecting to spend at least, like I said, probably around 110000 to 120000 on the overall process between the surrogates compensation, the agency fees, the legal fees, um, and so on and so forth. So it definitely, um, it's, it's a very expensive process, but obviously a very rewarding process. And and definitely the intended parents are, you know, they, they come to us and, it's their goal to become a parent. You know, sometimes we'll have an analogy. They'll say, you know, we, we, we pay that for, you know, we spend money on these vehicles or the house or so on a, or a vacation and they all add up and they're like, you know, we just want a child. And so it is our goal as an agency to make that happen. And we align them with the best of the best professionals where we really feel the, the highest um, probability for success for them.
0: So what message do you want to give our listeners as it relates to being a surrogate and a family that's looking at this path? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I
2: really um, every day we just, you know, we get to witness these miracles, you know, 15 years of, of family building and just kind of being on the inside of what's going on and, and knowing that you know for a surrogate message is obviously they're miracles i mean they're, they're angels they're creating these miracles that without them you know i wouldn't have been able to grow my family the way i did and so just the the possibility that they're giving these intended parents is something that they're going to have forever so when they achieve their surrogacy journey and they've they've helped this family grow this is something they just they have forever you can never take that away and it's a really Feel good, and we have a lot of repeat surrogates because when they've completed that first journey, they just thought it was amazing, and so they wanted to do it again. As well as not only helping those intended parents, and this is something that I find is so touching, is that the happiness that not only to the parents but the grandparents, that the family, you know, is just incredible. So yeah, just the thankful part of you know what how we feel as well as intended parents towards those surrogates, and for them to know that they're going to have so much support. Within our agency here at Family Source, we have an amazing support group, dedicated case managers where they're never going to feel alone, ever. So we make sure that any question that they have is always answered and they're getting that support. And flip-flopping it over to the intended parent side, you know, that support as well. I always like to include that because a lot of intended parents come to us and they don't know the next steps. That's where our, our own expertise really comes into play. And there's just so many resources for them um, even if it's financials there's programs out there that help you know with grants because it is overwhelming for some to be able to, to afford this to experience the process to grow their family but to know that when they contact our agency they're in such wonderful hands because again we are definitely making sure that the aligning factors of the professionals who are involved we make sure that's happening so the success rate for the intended parents to become parents, to to make sure that this actually is successful is, I mean, we're looking at like 99%. The only time we ever see that an intended parent does not achieve success is for example, if they come to us and let's say they have one embryo remaining and they say, you know what? It's not the best quality. If it doesn't doesn't work, we're okay with that. We're gonna accept that. Maybe they have children already, but they just, they would love to add to their family, but they're at peace if it doesn't work. But when intended parents want this to work, a hundred percent to where they're not going to stop it's it's going to work. It's going to be successful. So I think that's peace of mind to know that this isn't just for the rich and famous or the celebrities. It's happening in real life, and we we get to witness this every
1: day. Oh, Stacy, this has been so informative and super helpful. And I know we're gonna we're gonna I think is a great place to stop. For our first episode, because we're going to dive in a lot deeper into egg donation and everything in our next episode. But this I've learned so much and I still have a ton of questions, Um, but (laughs) let our audience know where they can find you. Absolutely. So
2: they can contact us on our website at FamilySourceConsultants.com. They can reach out to us at info at FamilySourceConsultants.com and we will respond to them immediately. Um, And definitely then at that point, we'll schedule a time to talk and get them started with all the information that they need to, to become
0: a little more educated. You know, and I just want to say, I think, you know, the three of us can agree. Being a parent is one of the most beautiful experiences that we will have in our life. And so for those of our listeners that want that and desire that, you know, we encourage you to reach out to Stacy's company. and look into the different options that we are going to be sharing in these next two episodes Uh, it is a miracle and we're so fortunate that we've been able to have that and so we really hope that this will be something that you can take away and hopefully have that experience as well so thank you for listening
1: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation
0: you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment.